0: Well, have you been watching the uh, Olympics this weekend? It's been, for some people, the boring part. I mean, if you're into BMX, uh, you know what BMX is, right? Uh, uh, If you're into that, then you've probably seen a lot of that, but a lot of the big events haven't really been on as much this weekend because so many of them have already been completed. But I love BMX. I love watching that, and uh, I don't know why, but I'm strangely drawn to watching that at, you know, midnight, Uh, when they're doing the replays and seeing them ride their bikes all around the dirt and all that. Very exciting stuff. But yesterday, the women's basketball team was playing. And anybody see that? It was a a great, great game. And you can see there uh, how focused they are and how intense they are. One of the commentators was talking about, you know, the one that has the dyed (coughs) hair. Never mind. (laughs) Um, They were, uh, I shouldn't have taken a personal swipe at him. Uh, They were uh, talking about just them traveling around Europe and and just really all over the world. They have traveled 100,000 miles together. And he was talking about how all of this really gelled them together as a team, that they had been playing in European leagues and um, just really playing separately. But this brought them together, and they really began to connect in a way where they could play and they could win, to be a, a true team. And also they were commenting on, and and they did this as they panned the camera over to the crowd and they showed uh, some of the uh, guys from the the men's uh, basketball team and they showed them there cheering them on and they talked about how they all, as they live together in the Olympic Village, uh, they all really get to know each other very well throughout the, the time that they're training and during the Olympics. And during that time, they learn to pull for each other. So someone who's running track might show up for the, track, uh, for the basketball event or to a swimming or to gymnastics or maybe to that difficult sport, ping pong, and to, to show up and to cheer them on as they are playing. But it's all about teamwork. Teamwork is really what the Olympics is about. It's not about uh, an individual player, although we talk about Phelps and we talk about... Um, Gabby Douglas and others who win gold medals and you see them highlighted, but they're only as good as their teams. And it is reinforced in them that they are a part of a team and they are to play that way. I couldn't help but think about the Olympics, not only because we're in an Olympic series, which I made up, uh, but because of the fact that uh, our text speaks to it today. Ephesians chapter 5, as Evelyn just read it, it It speaks to this idea of being a team and being together and what it means to move forward together and and to love one another and not get angry with one another and just all the things there that Paul wanted them to know. They are things for us to know as well. And as we conclude this Olympic Life Series, I I hope that you have found yourself getting stronger and stronger personally, that, that you're growing in your own spiritual life. And that is important. We've talked about how to do that and how to be... Uh, athletic spiritually and to to build those spiritual muscles but it all culminates in this part tonight I mean today whoops it's gonna take a while today as we understand that it it's a part of being in a group yes you have a calling to live your spiritual life and you get to do that on your own and you get to to uh, spend time alone with God but it's only as good as your time in the spiritual community and God has designed for us to live that way. So I think there are really two or three things here that we can find from this part of Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus that instruct us today about how to, to live in that team and how to grow in that team. Paul begins by talking about this, uh, them being on a, on a team, and he says they are members of one another. If you look there in your, your bulletin or in your Bible uh, you'll see as he begins this in verse 25, he mentions to them, So then, putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. There were some issues going on in the church at Ephesus. Paul knew about issues, and it's, it certainly wasn't the kind of thing that the church at Corinth was dealing with, but they had their problems, and it just reminds us that every church except for ours has problems. <laughs> And they were fighting with one another and they were bickering over different things. I don't know if they had carpet, but if they did, they were talking about, well, we wanted, you know, this pattern or we wanted this color. And what time the service starts and what kind of music we're going to play on the lyre or whatever. They had all this going on and Paul is writing to them saying, you need to see that you are members of one another. And if you're fighting with one another, you are fighting against yourself. And you're fighting against what God wants to do within your body. We all belong to one another, he says. And so part of this was speaking the truth to one another. And part of this was not uh, letting their anger, not uh, dismissing anger, but not letting anger control their relationships and dominate uh, their love for one another. So Paul says it's all about teamwork. Move together together as the body of Christ. And as Paul would write to other churches as well as to the church at Ephesus, they were to understand that uh, each one of them had an individual role, but they were to pull all of those together to make things truly work. As I was watching Gabby Douglas just do the amazing things that I can't imagine a 16-year-old being able to do. Just incredible. And, And there's been all this talk about her hair uh, people not liking her hair, and you know stuff on Twitter. You, you've seen it all on the uh, in the Twitter sphere, right? No, um, you've seen it on the news, and you, you've heard about probably people talking about her hair, and, and she needs to do something different with her hair. And there's just been a lot of criticism. And her mom came out and spoke against that and said, "This is ridiculous. Look at all that she's doing, and you're talking about her hair." Uh, but one of the things that was noted about her is that she is a, a powerful competitor on her own. She can get out and uh, do all kinds of things uh, w- with different events in the Olympics by herself. But but really, she doesn't deal with the pressure as well as it, it, if she's with the team. And this article, uh, Why Teamwork Takes Pressure Off Some Olympic Athletes, was written based on some research that was done, and the research suggests that Olympic athletes face a tougher challenge in performing individual competitions than in team events, and uh, my thinking would be, no, I would do much better on my own. I don't want to have to depend on someone to pass me the baton, or I don't want to have to try to do that because they could drop it. Let me go out and run on my own, or let me do this event by myself, but that's not the case. People do better when they are together, one reason for this is that the pressure to perform may be alleviated by team members, even while these teammates help push individuals in to their limits. Uh, Why an athlete performs as a part of a team, uh, when they do so, pressure shifts from weighing on the individual's shoulders to being col- a collective burden felt by the team, which tends to lighten the overall load said Deb Felice, professor of kinesiology at Michigan State University. Pressure is an inherent part of of the Olympics, she said, but moving an athlete's focus away from his or her individual performance can help them stay in the zone. At this stage of elite performance, there are pretty much automatic motor skills that can be uh, run off without a lot of uh, conscious attention. And if you can tell, I need to get some glasses. But I think about the significance of that, of, of how all those pressures are shouldered by the team rather than on the individual. And I think that's what Paul is getting at here in telling the church in Ephesus about how they ought to pull together rather than pull apart. And if we are going to grow together as individuals but as a, as a body of Christ in this community, if we are going to do that in an Olympic kind of way and and really be excellent in all that we do, then we need to remember that we're on a team. We need to understand what it means to to live in the context of community. And and this is why we have Sunday school. And uh, it was great to Sometimes it's great. In my office, uh, I can hear the laughing coming from the women's class that comes into my office. I think they're laughing about me, but that's just a problem I've had since middle school. And, um, but I, I hear them having a great time, and I go out, and I see the um, other adult class we have out here, and I see them praying. And sometimes when I, I slip out, I, I hear them talking about really big questions and things that they're weighing out together. And then when I go downstairs and I see children and youth and I see them learning and growing, I I think about this whole idea of teamwork and how we come together and we are members of one another. And it doesn't matter whether you're white or black or gay or straight or Protestant or Catholic or Reformed or whatever it is that you are, we are members of one another. Do you really feel that way? That is the way that we are to progress spiritually, attached to one another. And so it it gives us a challenge to make sure that we're in a spiritual community. And if you're not in a group, uh, this, as we begin the school year, this is a great time to get connected into a Sunday school group. And uh, if for nothing else, uh, there'll be some great food there. (laughs) And we have started back on donuts. (laughs) But so that when you're sick, somebody can know that you're sick and pray for you and help you when someone else is sick so that you can care for them. So that you can understand what God is saying through his word, not only through your own opinion, but through what someone else says as they are studying God's word and as you study God's word together. There's so many reasons to be connected to a group, and it's not about living a solo spiritual life. There are a lot of things that you can do on your own, but you are limited by that. God never intended for you to live your faith all by yourself. You need other people, and they may not be like you. They may not look like you. They may not talk like you. They may just be completely different spiritually than you, but that's okay. I think that's what God intends as well. The church at Ephesus, they were all different types. And this was a part of the creative energy that was there. It was also a part of the conflict at times. That's natural. That's normal. But Paul says, you deal with it best when you understand that you're a part of a team. But Paul also mentions that they have this part of their church that can sometimes get out of control. If you look at verse 29, what Paul says to them is something that we sometimes don't like to hear. He says, Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up. And there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away all your bitterness, your wrath, your anger and your wrangling. Put away all of your slander together with all malice and be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, as, in, as God in Christ has forgiven you. He puts a little jab there at the end. For those who are saying, I can't forgive him or her, well, God forgave you. So how could you not forgive someone who is in your own spiritual family, who is a part of your team? How could you treat them with malice and anger and wrath? These are people that belong to you. But he is really trying to inform them about the power of the tongue. And as we think about that in our own lives, we need to know that if we're going to perform in an Olympic kind of way spiritually, we need to control and know how to deal with our strongest muscles. Your strongest muscles aren't right here. I mean, mine are big, but that's not the strongest part. It's the tongue, and the tongue is not one muscle. It is many muscles that move together to um, be able to provide words, And do all kinds of damage, but also do all kinds of encouragement. And so Paul says, use your tongues in the the right way. I was reading about another Olympian, and uh, she was writing in a a blog post. And she was talking about the significance of the mind. And uh, she had been an Olympic athlete uh, in in another Olympics. and, And she says, any great coach will tell you that there is one thing that motivates beyond compare. Giving positive feedback. She says, I I like to also describe this as giving praises. We all like to feel good, and when someone goes out of their way to give you a praise, such as, you look great, you've lost weight, you are the best, or good job, there's something magical that happens, and your spirits are uplifted. If you're watching the Olympics right now, you can tell that it is easy to get psyched out in competition and in life. So it is good to have a support network around you that believes in you, your work, and your ability, and that will praise you at a moment's notice. <clears throat> and She says, when I was a professional athlete, I knew that it was really important that I keep my mind focused on feeling good. So I would give my husband a list of praises that I needed when I was starting to fade and get down. She would say uh, my top ten praises, and it would instantly turn uh, Uh, me upside down it basically made me laugh and not take things so seriously so here are a few of my favorites she says you are the best you are the fastest you are the skinniest who doesn't like to hear that you are awesome you are so healthy and glowing and she says you can also give this list to everyone you like your kids your partners your bosses A praise brigade is what she calls that. Getting yourself a praise brigade. I think the church is really supposed to operate in that way too. The church is to be a praise brigade so that when things happen in your life, you will have other people there to be able to give you praise, to lift you up, to give you strength, to... To edify, and that's the word that's used here, is probably the best word that we can use to describe what that means in the uh, Greek language. It is the idea of building something, of taking bricks and mortar and building something together. And that's what we're to do with our words. We are to build each other up. The problem is, in churches all across the nation, if not world, people are so busy tearing each other down. There's no way they can even be effective in the world. They're not building up, they're tearing down. We need to do that with each other. Do you know the uh, praises that the people around you would like to hear? Uh, I'm going to have you do that right now because uh, I just love to challenge y'all and I don't have to challenge myself. But just say to someone else, you're the best. Just say it to somebody around you. I mean, really mean it. You're the best. Okay, now, try this one. You are so skinny. Just say it. (laughs) None of that was a lie in God's eyes, right? (laughs) But that's what we need to do. And sometimes we need to speak the truth in love. He also mentions that. He says, don't speak falsehood, but speak truth. Be sure that you are telling things that are correct and are true in your church community. Don't go around telling uh, gossip and slander and all these things about each other. Build each other up every chance you get. It's that ability to say, keep on going. Don't give up. God is with you. God will continue to persevere with you through this problem or this challenge. We need to hear that. I need to hear that. You need to hear that. People at your workplace tomorrow, they need to hear that. Your children need to hear it. Children, your parents need to hear that, especially as school starts back. (laughs) People who live down the street from you. They need to hear it too, and they may be so shocked and surprised that you could tell them, this is why I'm saying this, because I believe in a God who never gives up, who will continue to take you through what you're going through. Well, finally, to pattern yourself after the style of Jesus. Athletes like to do this. They will pick someone who is a hero of theirs. If if you're a, a, a golfer, it may be Phil Mickelson, or if you're a bowler. I don't know who you'd look at. And uh, if you have different sports and activities that you're wanting to focus in on, you usually pick someone and you emulate their style and their pattern. Paul is wanting the church at Ephesus, and this is just a beautiful part of this text, as he writes to them in, in verse, uh, chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. He says, therefore, be imitators of God. Imitators. Mock God or, or mimic God in your behavior." as beloved children, and live in love. How do you do that? As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Paul says, that's it. That's how you do it. You, you love God with everything that you have, and you do it by sacrifice. You lay yourself down. For the benefit of others. And if we are going to be all that God has created us to be. And if we are going to live the kind of spiritual lives that could be considered as Olympic. Then we will pattern ourselves after the style of Jesus. There is no one else that will leave the kind of pattern that we need to follow. It all comes from Him. And He will never disappoint us with His pattern. If you try to follow mine, I will disappoint you. If you try to follow... Uh, The person sitting next to you, they will let you down and they will disappoint you at times. None of us are perfect except for Jesus. And so we pattern our lives after Him. How do you do that? It looks a lot like a cross. That's where Jesus ended up with it. Everyone has read this story, uh, Charlotte's Web. If you haven't, you shouldn't have been let out of elementary school. Um, Dave Gibbons wrote a book titled Zealots, and in this book he uh, talks about this lesson of true success. What does true success mean? He says, I find it in Charlotte's web. He says, it's a wonderful little children's story by E.B. White. We all know about this spider named Charlotte who lives in a barn just above the stall of a pig named Wilbur. Wilbur is worried that once he grows fat enough, the farmer is going to turn him into bacon. And it's a valid concern, right? (laughs) Charlotte and Wilbur develop a close friendship, he says, and as Wilbur grows larger, Charlotte uses all of her resources to try to rescue Wilbur. She writes messages in her web to convince the farm owners that Wilbur is a pig worth saving. And the story builds to the final chapter titled The Moment of Triumph. So, what was Charlotte's moment of triumph? He asks. As the story draws to a close, Charlotte the spider is in the barn dying. Wilbur the pig is being judged at the county fair in a pig contest. And she can hear the roar of applause for Wilbur as he wins special prizes, and, and thus his life is spared. Charlotte finds great joy knowing that her life has meant the success of another, her close friend, Wilbur. Though no one will remember her, the things that she has done, and the sacrifices that she has made, she is satisfied, having loved her friend in life and in death. The author here, Dave Gibbons, said, leadership is about fading The great ones willingly move into irrelevance. Seeming irrelevance. I think that's a great way for us to remember how Jesus provided the way to walk and the way to live in the life of love. Sacrifice. And that is the key to community. And that is the way we will live the Olympic kind of spiritual life. Let us pray. Our God, we give you thanks and praise today for the great things that you have done for us.